there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. If we insist on being in control of the work, it stays in our personality. Because the first note in our new song is evaluation of work ideas. Our song is about the work. Our song in life is about our story. Oh, poor, poor, pitiful me, how I did this and I didn't do that and they did this to me and I didn't get this opportunity and if only. So we know those songs. and We have a whole repertoire of songs that we like to sing. And if someone catches us singing one of our songs, if they don't sing along with us, then we get angry. But if they do sing along with us, then we have harmony. We're happy. And if we can get a, a lot of people to sing along with us, then we have a whole glee club. You'll notice that groups become glee clubs very quickly, <laughs> and the big groups become choirs, and they all sing the same song. And it's a very dangerous thing. And the reason it's dangerous is because all that singing puts you to sleep. But we're talking about a different kind of a song here, this song of the work. And it starts with the work octave. And the first note in the work octave, the do in the work octave, in the work scale, the first do is the evaluation of work ideas. You hear these ideas, these work ideas, and you evaluate them. You evaluate them to see if they have meaning for you, to see if you can begin to understand them, to see if you can take two or three or four ideas and fit them together properly, the way they should fit together. A singing coach taught me a long time ago that the high note is dependent upon the preceding note. She said, never bother worrying about singing your high note. Just make sure you get the note before it. And she said, and then the high note will sing itself. And she was right. She was a brilliant coach. I had a song that I was doing for a recital, and it had some tough notes, tough high notes. It wasn't so much that I couldn't hit them. It was that you wanted to hit them with the same strength and volume. You didn't want them to be thin. And so in order to hit them, what she said is, look, don't worry about that note. Worry about the one before it. That's the one you've got to nail. You nail that note, and the other one will follow. And it was amazing every time that that's exactly the way it worked. I became aware that she was right. That's the way it worked. High notes don't come from nowhere. They must have a strong, orderly foundation. And that's the way that works. Solfege is the name that in Europe they give to the notes in the octave of the diatonic scale. The diatonic scale, as you know it, is do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. Of course, do is just a repetition, so that's going to the next octave. You're aware of this because of sound of music, do, and re, and mi, and like that. But it's like a flight of stairs. I want you to see it like a flight of stairs. Do is the first step. Re is the next step. Mi is the step after that. So see it that way. We must watch that first step. Do. The evaluation of work ideas is the step that we've got to start off on. So that has to be the most important step. Because without that step, you can't go anywhere else. You can't go to re. You can't go to me, and you'll never make it to fa. So do must be sounded loudly and clearly enough to carry us to the next note, re. Re is the application of work to oneself. The first note in our song is do, evaluation of work ideas. You've got to make sure that your evaluation of work ideas is strong, it's powerful, it's sound. 
If it is, then you have your next step. It will just automatically carry you to your next step. Whether you'll take that next step or not is up to you. And that is Ray, the application of work to oneself. Clearly, most people stop at Do, letting it pass into A influence. So what does that mean? They stop at Do and they let it pass into A influence. Well, they take the work ideas and they evaluate them. But how they evaluate them is they evaluate them like this. Oh, I could teach this stuff. Oh, hey, I could write a book about this. I could start podcasting. You know, I could put out some podcasts about this. Then I'd be like really important and popular. And people would think that I was somebody and my name would be known all over. And I'd be really happy then. You see how that's passed right into A influence? It's passed right into worldly influence. It's just become part of our system, part of our life, part of what's good for me, part of I, false personality, part of imaginary I, part of this story I have about who I am. Who I am is not a person. Who I am is a story. Who James Parkinson is is a story. It's not a person. The real person, we don't know. The real person, we rarely see. But the story, we may not know that much about either, actually. Depends on how much people tell their story. Your story is how you live your life. So people can tell your story just by how you're living your life. If a person lightly esteems the work, or if a person can't understand it, or internally, secretly, in that secret place where you have your secret thoughts and your secret ideas that you don't tell anybody else about things, you know, that place where you think secretly I'm really an idiot, secretly that you really could be doing this much better than I do it, secretly that that person is really not as clever as you and they really don't deserve what they have, that secret place, if in that secret place you think that this is all nonsense, that this work is all a bunch of baloney, balloon juice, hot air, you won't value it. And if you don't value it, you won't apply it to yourself. And if you don't apply it to yourself, you cannot possibly proceed to the next note in the octave, re, which is application of work to oneself. Now, it's interesting. Do isn't strong enough to overcome the work's adverse action on self-esteem. See, the problem with this work is why it will never be popular is because it has an adverse effect on self-esteem. It's corrosive to self-esteem. It is corrosive to self-love. It is acidic and corrosive to false personality because it's designed to dissolve and make passive false personality. Well, when you have your sense of I completely or your center of gravity is in your sense of I that is in false personality, your story, who you think you are, who you say you are, that person, that imaginary I, when your center of gravity is in that and the acid hits, you howl. <laughs> There's no way to get around it. Even if you suffer like a martyr, even if you keep a stiff upper lip, even if you bite the bullet, you still suffer and you still know you're suffering. This work is never going to be popular to the masses because people will never tolerate such corrosive action, adverse corrosive action on their self-esteem, their self-love, their self-valuation, their self-approval, their self-admiration. Why do you do it? Why do we put up with it? Well, we put up with it because we've learned how to take it in small doses. That's why we put up with it. We know that we can back away anytime we want. Sitting in the dental chair is not so bad when you know that all you have to do is hold your hand up and the dentist will stop. If the dentist doesn't stop, then it becomes a lot worse than a dental chair. It's now torture. As long as we know the dentist will stop, we're fine. But it's when we think, when we find that he won't stop. Some people 
are work octave tone deaf. They can't hear the scale of the work octave. They can't hear the do, re, mi. They're tone deaf. They're unable to discriminate between musical notes in the work octave scale. In normal people, training can correct this. They say in singing there are no people who are really tone deaf who are normal. If people have something wrong with their brain where it's not functioning properly or their ears, actually there's something really wrong with their ears, what people call tone deaf is really just an inability to discriminate between musical notes and to reproduce them. Training and education can correct that. People can learn to discriminate between musical notes and they can learn to reproduce them. It is possible to do that. In other words, what I'm saying is, in a work sense, people, even people who don't get this, they can be trained, they can learn to sound the right note. They can learn to study that first step, do, properly, the evaluation of work ideas. They can learn to evaluate the work ideas. They can learn to value them. If they couldn't, it would be impossible for any of us because somewhere along the line, we didn't know how. Now, there were some people who were born like Mozart or Beethoven and Mozart, a child prodigy. People just marveled at him. There's some people who are born like that. And the only thing you can say is you have to bring in the theory of recurrence and say, well, they probably learned that stuff somewhere else. This is just recurrence. I can't see how anyone who has an open mind at all, you know, not so open that your brains fall out, but slightly open, even a slightly open mind, you have to admit that that makes sense. How else do you explain a Mozart? And then, of course, there's the closed-minded approach. Well, God gave him that gift, and that's all there is to it. Well, if God gave him that gift, why didn't he give him the sense to use it properly? Now you're judging God. Now you're this. And I, yeah, 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 yeah. Anything except admit that you don't know everything. You know, anything. You attack anything and anybody rather than admit that you don't know everything. And that's really what we have to do. That's the corrosive part of this work. You have to admit you don't know everything. You have to admit you don't know yourself. You have to admit you're not wonderful. You have to admit you're not as great as you thought you were. Well, that sucked. Why should I do that? Nobody else in the world is doing that. Why should I have to admit that? You don't have to admit that. You only have to admit that if you choose to develop. If you wish to develop, then these are certain things that you have to do. If you don't want to develop, you can be just like everybody else. You can be right and go on cracking everybody's skull who isn't right because that's what they're doing out there. You can go join the Army, the Air Force, the Marine Corps, the Navy. You can go join whatever you want and go crack skulls wherever you want. They can train you to do it right. Or you can take a look at yourself and admit that there are things that you don't know about yourself and that those things are killing you that you're out of control, that you are not able to control yourselves, that you are not able to do what you want to do, that you are not able to will what you say you will, that you are not able to bring it into manifestation. When you admit these things about yourself, it's very unpleasant, but it's the beginning of learning how to move in this world in a more realistic way. If we're able through proper self-observation to apply the work to ourselves, then we reach ray in the octave, that is, application of work to oneself. Connecting the work with what we observe brings about a right order in us. We were talking, I think it was Wednesday night, Patty was talking about something she'd observed, and I said, well, that's not really observation. We are talking about proper self-observation. Proper self-observation is not, so you may not see the difference. Well, I can see that in myself, yes, but can you see that in yourself and connect it with the right work idea? It's not enough just to see it in yourself. To say, well, I'm really angry. Okay, that's a negative motion. I'm angry. What are you saying? You're saying that you're acknowledging that you are angry. That's not the same thing as observing that it is angry and you are not. That you can see yourself apart from the anger. You can see it, that I that is angry, throwing a tantrum, and you're sitting back here looking at it. Look at that. Look at that thing. That's unbelievable. It's done that ever since it was two years old. 
I know, I've watched it over these years, and it keeps doing the same thing over and over again. Now that is self-observation. That's separating. But what about connecting the work idea, the right work idea to that? What is the right work idea to that? Well, the right work ideas are, I'm not one, I'm many, that is not I. Then this I that's watching that, that's I? No, that's not I either. That's just a better I. That's a better I that doesn't, that's learned not to throw tantrums. Or that is beyond that, that understands more and understands tantrums don't do anything. But the little eye down there throwing the tantrum, it knows something too. It knows tantrums do something. It knows that it wouldn't be throwing tantrums if tantrums didn't work. But look at the people that it has to hang out with in order to have that life. It has to hang out with people who also throw tantrums. It has to be in that state. And it has to be with people in that state. In other words, it's going to have to be with negative people. Because negative people are the only ones who will buy negative emotions. And you have to be in a negative state. And if your center of gravity is in a state where you love negative emotions and you don't wish to get out of it, then tantrums are great because they're very manipulative and they work. As far as they go, then you have to have other negative emotions and other negative eyes to manipulate even further. But then that's a whole game and you can spend your whole life in that. People can spend their whole life in war, the art of war. And that's fine. If that's what you want to do, that's your business. This is for people who wish to develop. This is for people who wish to make that part of themselves passive and to find something higher, something better, something more real. Those people are the ones that I want to talk to. And the people who don't want to hear what I have to say, I don't really want to say it to them anyway. That's okay with me. If you don't want to hear it, don't listen. This is for the people who want to hear it, who want to listen, who want to allow this into them so that it will start to make the part of themselves that they don't know passive so that they can start to learn who they really are, what they really are, and what is before them. Here's where the work begins to sing us. We shift from life order to work order. What does that mean? Well, everybody has order in their life. You have an order in your life. How much of it is life order? Well, a lot of it. You get up at a certain time to go to work. You eat breakfast. You do this. You do that. You shower. You shave. Whatever it is you do, you have a certain order that you do it in. There's certain things that cannot be missed in that order. You go to work and you do your job and you do this or you do that. Why do you do that? Because it's the order of your life. But now we're talking about a different order. We're talking about shifting to a work order from a life order. As we are mechanically, as the work finds us, we're machines. We're basically mechanical. We're not properly conscious, and everything we're doing is dependent upon some stimulus from outside. Some stimulus from outside made us do this. Some stimulus from outside, why do you go to work? Because some stimulus from outside makes you do it. What is that stimulus? Money and prestige and compliments and doing a good job and the satisfaction of doing a good job. And it was like, okay, and if you were having the satisfaction of doing a good job but nobody appreciated it, would you still work there? Yes, I would. Well, okay, how about if you were getting the satisfaction of doing a good job, nobody appreciated it, and no one paid you? Would you still go? Well, yes, of course I would. You're a liar because you would do that until you got hungry. And then you'd go somewhere where they appreciated you and were willing to pay you so that you could buy some food to fill your empty belly. And that is life order. Work order is something entirely different. As we are mechanically, things are in their wrong order. We are doing everything in the life order and not in the work order. And because of that, we are continually strengthening the part of us that touches life. And the part of us that touches life isn't really touching life. It is held by life. 
So your false personality isn't touching life. Your false personality is motivated by life. It's animated by life. Its thoughts are run by life. You don't set your mind in motion by your will. Your mind is set in motion by the world by the five senses, by something out there sets your mind in motion. So your thinking is dependent upon something outside of you. Your action is dependent upon something outside of you. How you feel is dependent upon something outside of you. Did you hear that big boom? Did somebody just run into your car? Your feelings are dependent upon what happens out there. Did your house burn down? Your feelings are dependent upon what happened to you out there. This is the wrong order. Unimportant things are made important, and important things are made unimportant. Think of the things that you have fretted over in your life that never amounted to a hill of beans. You never needed to fret over them. Think of the agony, the anxiety, the worry, the fear, the horror of life, and none of it ever came to pass. Or if it did, all that that led up to it didn't do any good. It's insane. And that's why you're here. I'm talking to you about something you already know, but it's why you're here. You're here because you realize that being run by life, being controlled by life, being a marionette of life, that life is the puppet master, that being controlled in that way is very unrewarding, very unsatisfying, and repetitive. Here's where the work begins to sing us at this point. When things are arranged in their right order, there, in that place, when things are arranged in their right order, there, in that place, is truth. Truth could be said to be right order, having things arranged in their right order, because truth will always be where things are arranged in their right order. In life, we live by false values. We live by endless lies, because what are false values? So it has to be endless lies. That's the wrong order. The reason that it's happening that way is because we're facing outward. We need to make a 180-degree turn or be born again and face inward. Unless Ray is strong, there will be no me. Me, the third note in the work octave in the scale, is the realization of personal difficulties. Oh, I already know about that. I have personal difficulties. Yes, but those are not the personal difficulties I'm talking about. I'm not talking about your story. I'm not talking about the false personality story about ain't it awful. I'm not talking about how terrible it was and if only. I'm talking about real personal difficulties. Because each note depends on the last note, you're not going to get to face the personal difficulties unless you sound a strong ray. In other words, unless you really begin to apply the work to yourself. If you really begin to apply the work to yourself, can you see that ray sings itself? (laughs) This is where the work takes over. You start with the evaluation of work ideas. Doe. That could lead to Ray, but you still have to do something. You still have to actively, through effort, apply those horrible ideas, those corrosive, acid, terrible, painful ideas. You have to apply them to yourself. But where most of us stop is applying them to those people who need them. Have you noticed how much those people need them? You're doing pretty good, but those people are really. Wouldn't it be great if you could go to those people? Well, just start a church. You know, then you could go knock on doors and you could stay twice as fit for hell as those people who you're knocking on their door. I mean, that was what Jesus said about the scribes and the Pharisees. And that's all that's in the church anyway. I mean, the church as we know it in the world. The thing, the edifice, the, and the bingo and the youth activities and the go to Magic Mountain and let's go to Disneyland and let's go to the movies and we're going to have this, we're going to have that. That church, that church where you go out and you tell other people about it but you don't do it yourself. That church, that church where you don't have to know anything. All you have to do is join and then they give you a list of what you believe. 
where you never apply any of it to yourself, you just believe it all. That church, and I don't care what you call it, whether you call it a mosque, a synagogue, a church, a temple, whatever you call it, that thing, that thing that belongs to false personality, that is not what this work is about. Because this work has a church too. It's a foundation. It's not a church or a mosque or a temple. It's a foundation. Because we have all kinds of different clever names for it. So because we think that if we change the name of something, it changes it. But that's not how it works. We change the name of murder, it's still murder. We change the name of war, it's still war. We change the name of stealing, it's still stealing. There is an absolute truth. There is a right order for things. And that's the way that is. And when we don't know what that is, we're in the wrong order. When we begin to search that out, we're searching out the right order of things. And we are submitting ourselves to it. So unless Ray is sounded strongly, there's no realization of personal difficulties. There's no getting to the note me. Three notes can strengthen each other, like a tripod, through practical verification of the work so that we internally see more of its value. So you have do-re-mi, valuation of work ideas, applying the ideas to yourself, and finally, the realization of your personal difficulties. When you apply the ideas to yourself, you will begin to see second force. You will begin to see that there is something that opposes you going any further. And isn't it interesting that in the octave, we have now reached the place of the semitone. So there's this gap. So do, re, mi are easy, close together. They're pretty easy to do. They hang together. But then you get to fa, and it's like there's this chasm. There's this huge leap that you have to make. So you're going up this flight of stairs and now you've noticed that there's a missing step. <laughs> like, what? what happened to this step? How am I going to get up there? And that's just what it's like. Imagine being in an old house where there's a step that's missing, but you've got to make it up to the next step. But now you're wondering, is the next step going to really be there? Or will it be shaky like the, le- like the step that's not there? Because the step that's not there, that probably rotted out or something. And these three steps, well, they're okay, but I'm not sure about them now either. You notice how we start to tear it all apart. We start to tear ourselves all apart. We start to doubt that the false personality, that the little mechanical eyes will get in there and start to tear it down. They don't like being corroded. They don't like being made passive, so they fight back. And this is a place where they really fight hard, where there's this missing step. They'll fight there because they know that we're stuck. It's like getting your back into a corner, and so they fight harder there. It's just survival. It's nothing personal. They just want to survive. They just want to continue to have their way. They just want to continue to rule. They just want to continue to eat, to have your energy, to have your life force. They want to continue to drain your life force off from you. And it may keep you weak and you may never get to be what you are supposed to be, but they don't care about that as long as they survive. That's our condition and you need to face it squarely. That's the condition that we're in. We are being eaten or we are eating. That's it. Either the work eyes are being eaten by the little eyes or the work eyes are eating the little eyes. That's it. There's no peace between them until one rules supreme. The gap between me and Fa isn't bridged by us. So this missing step isn't put in place by us. We don't make this leap. It's not up to us to make this leap. We can't make this leap. But what about if I make a big effort? I don't care how big your effort is. Here's where your effort needs to be. Your effort needs to be in do, when you really evaluate the work ideas. Re, when you actually begin to apply those ideas to yourself. Me, when you start to see your own personal difficulties. You see them and you face them and you say, okay, that's what I'm up against. That's what I've got to deal with. You don't get depressed about it. You don't get whiny about it. You see it, you accept it, and you're ready to move on. But then what? You can't move on. There's a missing step. 
This is the great part of this. This fa, this next step, is a new thing. It's not anything you've had before. It's a new thing. It's actually the growing of another being in you. It is something else, something totally different from what you've known. It takes a willingness and intelligent trust to allow the work to sing you to the next step. Now, it's true that most people don't get past dough. It's just the simple fact. They don't get past dough. Some people get to Ray, and that's it. They look at the personal difficulties, and they say, who'd want those? And they turn back. And they just take the A, they go back to step A, and they just spend their time there, and they turn it into A influence, and they can make a whole life out of it, a whole career out of it. They could write books, they could do seminars, they could start foundations, they could go on lecture tours, but they would never have to go to Ray. They would never have to go to me facing their own personal difficulties. And so they would never know anything about fa because fa is no longer, who cares about fa if you've got A, if your dough is fine. If your dough is just great and you've got everything you want in life, who cares about fa? So fa is something completely different. Will you allow your life to become an instrument that the work plays as it will? That's really the bottom line on this. Are you going to allow your life to be the instrument through which the work plays its song, plays its octave, sings its do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti. Are you going to do that? Of course you can't answer that. All you can say is, if you've got a strong tripod, those first three, if you've worked with those first three, if you can face your personal difficulties without going under, and most of you can, most of the time, doesn't mean that you like them. It doesn't mean that you're always up for the battle. It just means that you see that they're there, and you know that eventually you're going to have to get to them. You may not be eager to get to them, but that's just wisdom as far as I can tell. (laughs) It's rare to reach Fa. No teacher, no group can do it for you. Maurice Nicole said, It's a curiously indefinable effort that only the man from his deepest sense of himself can make. Imitation only increases personality. In some way, essence is touched, which touched real eye. Essence being touched can touch real eye. Essence isn't real eye. Essence can come close to real eye. Nothing else you have can. But your essence can get very close to real eye, can touch real eye. And then the man is whatever he does, or whatever he does is the man. This is different from us. You can see that what we do is not us, and what we are doesn't do. But once you reach fa, then something happens. There's a change. There's a shift in you. Something happens. It was a year ago for me that that something happened when you don't reach it just once. There are many octaves in the work octave. There are many notes, many octaves, because it goes do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, and it continues. So it continues. Since fa is out of our direct control, we can return to me personal difficulties. They must not only depress us and make us negative. In other words, when you get to that third step, and you see your personal difficulties, when you see what's before you, what you have to deal with, the nut that you've got to crack, the rent that you've got to pay on this work, when you see that, it can be very depressing. (laughs) It can be so discouraging. It can be disheartening. And it will make us incredibly negative, where we rage against the work, we rage against the teachers, we rage against the teachings, we rage against the groups, we quit, we go away, we resist, we fight, we do all of those things. That's when we've come to see, we've seen the third step, and we've realized we're not going to take it. We realize that they're all wrong. That's the wrong step. That's not it. So we rage against it. We become negative. I'd rather see you depressed than negative. Negative is depressed, but it's a different kind of depressed. Depression is kind of like being waterlogged. You can dry out. 
but negativity is an active thing. When you're actively resisting, when you're actively fighting, when you're actively doing something against it, you are strengthening false personality every moment. Every time you take hold of the controls, there's power going out of your life force into false personality. You've made that connection, and it is building and strengthening false personality like the great green hulk. You've got to disconnect from that, from doing something. You've got to let it go. And when you let it go, it's just like being knocked off of electricity. It stops going into you. It stops frying you. And that's the same thing. No connection between what's observed and the work. That's what happens at this place at the third step. People see this stuff, their personal difficulties, but they have no connection to the work. They can't connect their personal difficulties to the work. And when there's no connection, they can't work on it. And when they can't work on it, then the only thing they can do is be negative or depressed. You can see your personal difficulties, but if you don't have the tools to deal with them, then you can only be negative or depressed. Me can be summed. Realize as fact we're not perfect persons, that we're not what we imagined. It's the summing of the note me. We're not perfect persons. We're not the person that we imagined ourselves to be. Increasing consciousness reveals what you are. Working with Doe and working with Ray will increase your consciousness. Maybe not exponentially, but maybe. But it will increase your consciousness. And increasing your consciousness reveals what you are. And when what you are is revealed to you, you have then faced your personal difficulties. You are seeing what you have to deal with. When we realize we're not one, we begin to escape from the hypnotism of a form of imagination. Seeing that we're not one is a big deal. And I don't mean intellectually seeing it. I mean actually having that first moment of separation where you realize that the I that's talking through you is not I. When you have that realization, when you realize that the I that is acting is not I, when you realize that the I that is thinking is not I, when you realize that the I that is feeling is not I, when you have that distinct moment of separation where you can distinctly say, that is not I, not just intellectually, but genuinely have the experience of being separate from it. That is the beginning from escape from the hypnotism. And this hypnotism is a form of imagination. A person hypnotized by life, a person full of illusions, a person that's full of self-satisfying fantasies about himself, isn't conscious. That means we're not conscious. One of the biggest illusions is that we are conscious. We all walk around almost all the time thinking that we're conscious, just taking it for granted that we are conscious and that they're not. Once you add this work to your system, now you know that you're conscious, but they're not. Now you see dead people wherever you go. Now you see sleeping people wherever you go. But do you see yourself sleeping wherever you go? Well, no, of course not, because I'm awake when I'm looking, yeah, right? We're never that awake. This realization is akin to, you remember the story about the driver in the, in the bar and he's getting drunk and the horse and the carriage are outside. And this is when we realize that we're not one. So this realization is the driver awakening from his drunken stupor in the bar, going outside and seeing the terrible condition of the horse in the carriage, that he's just spent all of his time in here in this bar and these illusions, wasting his energy, pouring his substance that should be going to feeding the horse and taking proper care of the carriage, that instead of putting his force and his energy and his money toward that, he's been in here getting drunk, living in this illusion, this dream world, going around and buying rounds for everybody else and going, oh, he's the greatest guy, yeah, isn't he wonderful? And he's sound asleep, just like everybody else in there. So that's what this realization is like. And it can be depressing. Fa is thinking from the driver, not the drunk. So imagine what it would be like if you weren't drunk. Of course, we're already imagining that we're not drunk. But the truth is that we are drunk. You ever watch these little parodies of drunks trying to put a key in a keyhole and they can't do it? Well, what can you do? Well, I can put a key in a keyhole. Uh-huh. 
but can you turn the key and unlock the lock and open the door and walk through it? Well, sure I can. <laughs> then you haven't observed yourself properly. You haven't observed yourself enough. Get back to work. Because when you observe yourself enough, you know you can't be counted on to put the key in the lock, to turn the key, to open the lock, then to open the door, and then to walk through it. You can't be counted on to remember what you're doing there. You can't be counted on to remember if you got the right address. You can't be counted on to remember because you can't be counted on to remember yourself. And you can't be counted on to remember yourself because you're asleep. And you're asleep because you think you're awake. Who'd want to hear this all the time? You have to really want to get out of it, to listen to this, to put up with this, this, these corrosive ideas that eat away at false personality, that eat away at the little eyes, that eat away at self-love, self-esteem, self-valuation, self-admiration, self-approval. The driver can understand the work, and the drunk can't. The drunk can only understand one thing about the work. How can I make some money with this so I can go back and get some more booze? That's all the drunk's interested in with the work. The driver is interested in the work. He wants to do the job. He wants to get the carriage in repair. He wants to get the horse in good shape. He wants to get the reins from the horse to the carriage. He wants to get a fare. He wants to get real eye in that carriage to tell him where to go. He wants to work. He wants to get it right. The driver understands the work. He understands that it is his life. Positive ideas based on the belief in greater mind will lift us from me to fa. You can't do it, but the positive ideas generate a force that can do it. Work ideas are positive. Eyes that wish to work wish to go up. Eyes that don't wish to work drag you down. You've got to get this in your mind and you've got to decide whether you want to go up or down because you can't stay where you are. You have to either go up or you go down, but you can't stay where you are. You're on an escalator and it's going one way or the other. You must decide which way you want to go and then go with the eyes that are going in that direction and stay away from the eyes that are going in the other direction. This is your me. This is your personal difficulty. This is what you have to face on the third step. We must learn to see them, these eyes, distinctly and separate from vain, self-seeking, lying eyes. This is easier said than done. Just like you saw this morning when I said about your lipstick and your earrings. It's hard to separate from those vain, self-seeking, lying eyes that tell us that we're something that we're not. That tell you that you're not really 65 years old, that you're really just a girl. Those eyes, those lying eyes. That tell you that you're not that fat. There's somebody else that's fatter that tell you that you're not that bad, that there's somebody else that's worse, that tell you that taking this is not a bad thing, it's only a little thing, and really you deserve it anyway. All of those lying eyes that justify us being what we are. If you say I to everything taking place in you, you can't sound me, you can't grow, you can't get beyond your crap life. And that's the bottom line. You're here because you realized that if you didn't continue with this, you'd go back to your crap life. Now, the people who aren't here went back to their crap life. And they thought, well, it's better than that crap life. And they're probably right. Like I've said before, if you're satisfied with living in the world, if you're satisfied with false personality, then be happy. Stay away from this work. It'll only ruin your life. But if you can't stop for whatever reason, if you can't stop, if you must find out, if you must continue on this path to see where it leads, then I commiserate with you. I understand. <laughs> then let's do the best we can and let's do it together because there's strength in working together. There's power in working together. To reach me, we must observe ourselves over time and it has to be enough time so that we can begin to see the patterns. 
You have to be able to see, yes, I did this last week. It did this last week. That I was there last week. That I said that same thing two weeks ago. That I has been in every relationship I've ever been in. That I has always said the same thing. That I has always demanded the same thing. And that I always hangs out with this I. You start to see that over time, then you will reach me. Then we begin to understand the work and we begin to position ourselves where we can receive help if we remain passive to our faults and problems. The thing is, is that you can't work on your faults and your problems. The work is seeing them. The work is not justifying them. The work is not lying about them. The work is not turning away from them. That's the hard work. That's where the effort is involved. The effort is involved in looking at the truth about yourself. The effort is involved in allowing the truth to be the truth, in acknowledging what you see, and then separating from them, saying, well, it's not I. Well, what are you? I don't know, but I know I'm not that. The note fa may begin to sound in us, giving us an utterly different feeling of being sung rather than singing, being worked rather than working. You have to come to this point in this work where you realize you're being worked, that you are no longer working. Can you see how dangerous it is for you to work? It just goes right to the false personality. When you are working, you are taking, it's going to be taking credit for it. But when you come to the point where you realize that this work is working you, that you have no choice anymore, that your choice is now to go with the better eyes or to go with the worse eyes. That's it. That's your only choice. You can't work. What you can do is choose which eyes you will go with. When you come to that realization and you let go to that, you accept that, I think you've reached far. There's still a whole lot of notes to go, but you've reached far, and that's a fine place to be. It's the beginning of meeting real eye, which is nothing like we thought real eye was going to be like. It's nothing like we thought it was going to be. But, but, but I thought then all my problems would go away. See, remember last year when I started the fifth way, it was like I had this great realization. I lived in this for months. I was like, wow. And, you know, now I look at it like, yeah, wow. So what? Really, so what? Now all I know is that I don't have to struggle. Now all I know is that I don't have to work, that the work does it. All I have to do is make the right choices. And the only choice I have to make is, am I going to go with better eyes that go up? Am I going to go with worse eyes that go down? And if I can make that decision in this moment, if I can be aware, awake in this moment and make that decision right now, that's all I have to do. Everything else will be taken care of. I take comfort in that. Some people would consider that to be hell. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.